the way that I speak, I'll let you know. Child Abuse Now show is scan number 3,170. Okay, that's 3,170. Yeah, we're getting up there. Um, I'm very happy that we're getting up there. We have a lot of people who are now starting to tell their stories. They have been for a while. That's why we're 3,170. <laughs> so um, anyway, it's a good platform for people to come on who want to tell their stories and uh, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we have this. We open this up to the public to come on and tell their stories once they clear it with us. And uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have other people that come on and um, oh, the, the professionals who work in different areas even than what we do, and um, and we work with them. We have the professionals here speak with them. So anyway, okay. So tonight we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Melissa Santana, Okay. Uh, but first, let me read the mission statement. We do have a nice panel starting to build up here. And uh, tonight is Bill's wife's birthday. And uh, I told him to go out and show her a good time. <laughs> so I don't expect him to be on tonight. Anyway, okay, here's the deal. Um, first of all, we have a singleness of purpose at NASCA. And that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so from two different ways. And number one is educating the public. That's what we do. That's what we're going to do tonight, too. Especially as related to getting society over the taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting the facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic, a worldwide problem that affects everyone. And number two is offering hope for healing through numerous pairs and providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Now, those last three that I always mention, prevention, intervention, and recovery, are very important. And... um, I want people to understand they can call in at 646-595-2118. That's 646-595-2118 if they want to uh, be a part of listening to the show, be on the panel. Uh, We have room for about three more. And, um, you know, just uh, be a part of the show. You can do that. 
If you want to just call in and listen, that's fine too, all right? And I'll put that on the screen here. I am in the studio, so I'm running that. So anyway, um, also too, our, our website is NASCA, that's N-A-A-S-C-A dot org. That's NASCA dot org. And uh, you can find a ton of information on our website. You go down to the red blocks, you open up those blocks, and it covers all different types of um, things to learn about with child abuse. Okay. So enough of that being said. I do have our guest tonight, and uh, we do have Lori Purcell here. She's like my co-host. Yes, she is. And uh, we have also Philip. He's here, and our guest is here. And um, if there's someone I missed, forgive me. Um, anyway, and I'm here. I'm here. I'm Carol Levine, and I'm vice president of NASCA, and I'm happy to be here. So enough said. Um, Melissa, uh, I'm, I don't know. The name of your town is kind of a strange. It's E-U-C-L-I-D. How do you say that? <laughs> it's actually Euclid, Ohio. Euclid. Euclid. Okay. Yeah, I never heard that before. Okay, so you are from Euclid, Ohio, and you are a survivor of both child abuse and later domestic violence. Oh, honey, you've been in my house. Yes, you have. Okay, so what we'd like for you to do now is to start out by telling your story, and uh, we will go from there, okay? Go ahead. Sounds, sounds good. Thank you. Um, and to clarify, so for those who know uh, Cleveland, Ohio, it is Euclid is just basically a suburb of that. So it is. So I'm basically up the street from Cleveland, and Cleveland is where I was born and raised. And so um, Euclid, however, is where I've actually finally been able to purchase a home and all that. So buying into the wonderful American dream been uh, wonderful to do that. But uh, going back to you know you know uh, growing up and all those things. I grew up with a mother who was incredible. She was a single mom. She, you know, she did everything she could for me. But I was a child who, because she had her own vices, because she had been in abusive relationships. And so this, the one that she had still been recovering from when I was born was the relationship she had with my brother's father. So we don't have the same fathers. And so he was, you know, raised by a different father, and unfortunately, it was it was also her first marriage, so she was very young. She marries him. She has, you know, a child with him, but unfortunately, he does, she isn't a domestic violent one. It was, I've learned many more details about it as I've gotten older, and so I know that it's been pretty, it was definitely very severe. He would insult her, but then also there will be times where, I mean, once she told me she was even coming down the steps because he had woken her up out of her sleep, she's coming down in a robe. He, unfortunately, you know, he was with his friends. He was intoxicated, but he still, like, was asking her to, like, either cook for him or do something. I don't know if he didn't like those spots or whatever it was, but he, he then hit her in front of everyone and causing her to, like, fall down the steps, like, in the middle of the night when she had just woken up. So it's just, like, things like that. There was other times where she would, like, have to hide from him and he would find her and then humiliate her in front of whoever was there. And it wasn't just, like, the what's been striking for me and still something to grapple with is not just the many times that he did that, but it was also that there were people around. And I know that there's many reasons why we don't always, you know, uh, intercede, but it was hard to hear that, right, as her daughter, that there were so many times where there were people, unfortunately, there and witnessed it and didn't necessarily, weren't able to help or didn't know how, you know, and they might not have known exactly how to assist in all that. Um, But as a result, 
she eventually, she, her coping mechanism became alcohol, so that was her way of being able to at least cope with things and numb the pain I felt like that she was trying to experience. She never exactly said that to me, but that is what I, you know, gathered from it with a little bit that I knew at the time. And so I get that that was her coping mechanism, but it was hard being raised in that way because she was absent a lot of the time, like she was there but not there. And she would not be sober for many occasions. It was also, like, confusing for me because we would go to church. But then right after church, we would go to the liquor store. So I, like, started to associate, like, are you supposed to drink alcohol all the time? Is this, like, what you do? You know, so it was hard to differentiate that. I knew that I didn't personally like it. So I grew up really, like, anti-alcohol because I saw what it did to her. And I I didn't want to associate with it. But so as a result, it definitely caused a lot of division between us. And as a result, there was a lot of things that went on. So there was one time where she had she was dating a lot of different individuals, so that was also difficult. I already did not have my own biological father in my life. He was not there. She had met him um, at one point, but actually at the time I didn't know who he was. She knew who he was, but I didn't because she had told me that there was one of several people that could potentially be my father. And so I grew up with that, like, idea of, like, not knowing exactly who it could be. It might be one of these people that I know, but I, I was I never knew for sure. And it definitely caused a lot of, you know, confusion as, you know, whenever you're raised in that kind of environment. I always wanted to know, like, who I was, you know, who I was made by, like, connections to things. And there were times where I also wanted to know because I didn't feel connection to her and I didn't have the relationship with her that I very much wanted. So I really was hopeful like it would be nice to have the other parent to be able to like connect with them and know more about them and maybe have some kind of solace and at one point I developed resentment towards whoever he was because of the fact that he wasn't there and I felt like in my eyes even though I'm sure he might not have even been aware of what was going on but to me it was just like well you left me here in this situation and you're not here to save me so I remember growing up thinking about all that and either way, I also became a very, very quiet kid. So I'm here now talking, do my thing. I even have a podcast now. But growing up, that was not the case. I was super, super, super silent. And so, like, it was to the point where I don't speak unless spoken to. So, like, at school, I would regard the teachers, like, with the highest authority. I, like, idolized them. I loved them. I loved everything they did, how caring they were, the compliments they would give me because I wouldn't hear that at home. And so I would always want to do whatever they said. So, like, really big teacher's pet. I just love that validation. So I would always crave it. But I even remember once, like, I even had an accident at school. So it was, like, in elementary school, which is, you know, common for, like, most students. But the reason why was because I did not want to interrupt the teacher. So, like, I could have asked to leave, but I just wanted so much to not interrupt, like, never break any rules that I was willing to put myself in that situation. I remember my brother had to come get me, like, the whole thing just because I didn't want to interrupt them or say anything. So I was always, like, kept to myself. I kept a lot of, like, internal thoughts. And so I always was trying to make sense of what was happening around me, but not knowing exactly how to do that. I had some people that I would, like, vent to and things like that, but it was a, it was a lot that I kept inside. She did uh, date. She had a lot of partners, and so one of them did attempt to try to, like, touch me at one point. But the thing that was interesting, so sexually, but the thing that was interesting was he tried to say that he had confused me with my mother, something like that I think was his words. Um, of course, either way, preposterous. Like, it was, it was completely impossible, but I'm just trying to remember how ridiculous it was, the excuse that he gave. But I also remember that it was forceful enough. He wasn't successful. He had attempted. 
Um, he wasn't able to, but I remember being, I was under the age of 10, and I remember at least having to fight him off as hard as I was able to do it. I had to, like, I remember having to literally use all of my strength to get him off. So, and then telling my mother the next day about it. But unfortunately, she asked me, well, are you sure that it happened? Like, she asked me questions like that. So then I remember, again, feeling like, further hurt by her so these were things these were the kind of things that would happen between us that would make you know cause a division so then she eventually though however did break up with him he also like I guess I don't know if he ever like came to admit but he was in the church he was like he attended the church that my mom went to and so like he eventually left it and you know all these things um so that was so that occurred. But there would be moments like that where she wouldn't always be able to respond. I feel like now as an adult, I'm able to look back on it, and I have I've at least been able to come to a point where I get where she was, but when I was growing up, I couldn't. And so I grew up very angry with her. And I could tell she wanted a better relationship, but I didn't know how to help her understand that you're not creating it for me. So, And I don't know how to teach you because you should be the one teaching me things. So I don't know how to help you get that. I also was very resentful because my mother is also, she's Puerto Rican, so she came here, she immigrated here from Puerto Rico at the age of 15, and she's been working, like, factory jobs, she's always, that's always been her life, like, hard labor, things like that, working with her hands. Um, I did, I did find it very admirable that she was able to buy a house, so I did grow up in a house with her, like, she was able to buy it when I was in second grade, so I remember that, and being very proud of that accomplishment, but also having to balance a lot of, like, balance her textbook. Like, I've known her social security number since I was about five. Like, she's always had me do all the work. She learned English on her own, but she would she would always feel confident doing a lot of the, I was dual roles. Like, I was secretary and also, like, and daughter and also being a student. So, like, but I remember being upset about that because I was, like, I don't feel like I get to just be me. Like, I feel like I'm always having to worry about what you have going on. And, like, so it was just, it was caused a lot. So Okay, 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 honey. Okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah, you told us a whole bunch. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, slow down, though, because um, you, you're sort of like an auctioneer, and that's cool, too. But <laughs> on the other hand, um, we need to grasp what you're saying, too. Um, listen, I can understand, and I'm sure that everyone on this panel can understand, you know, the feelings that you had, because we we want a family like Leave it to Beaver. I use them as, as an example. It doesn't happen very often, does it? Okay. So you were the mom, or your mother was the mom that went out and worked, and she put a lot of stuff on you. She did, like you were saying. She had you helping with the bills and, and all these others. I can understand where all the resentments came in. Uh, when were you ever a kid? Because think about it. Um, your mother had all these guys coming and going. And I have to say one thing about single moms, okay, because I was a single mom at one point because I left my husband, my children's biological father, because he was a nut. Okay, so, um, but you do tend to go out, you know, you do tend to go out and have dates, and as long as the children are well taken care of, and, and, and you know, but if you have too many dates and the kids, you know, they, they start to, you know, feel resentment towards the mother, and then, and this is all very, you know, true, and it's also very common, all right, it's common, and, and I can, I get it, I get it. And then with the alcohol after church, well, your mom's an alcoholic probably, okay? I'm an alcoholic. 
But <laughs> I didn't know I was an alcoholic because I was working. Think about it. I was working, taking care of two kids, and uh, drinking like a fish when I came home. But I took care of my children. I fed them. I clothed them. You know, we had TV time together, watched silly programs like Leave it to Beaver and all that other stuff. And uh, they did their homework. So I didn't look at myself as being an alcoholic. But when you have a problem drinker in the family, and and the bio father, I get that point too, because I don't know who my bio father is either. All right. Um, I I took and I got ancestry. My daughter sent away for a man that came in the mail, and um, and I spit in the vial because that's all you have to do. And I sent it back, and I learned a lot. Like uh, I have Italian, I have Swiss. Um, I have French, I have German. The only thing, you know, in, on my mother's side of the family, because she was my mother, was the German. Okay, so that shows you something's wrong in the family unit there. And I found out much later on that I was the rape kid. My mother got raped once, one time is too many, and out I popped. And that's why she always hated me. So you see, we go through these things in our life. We go through these things in our life. And um, we're either going to make it or we're not going to make it. And you did make it. All right? You're doing fine. You absolutely are doing fine today. And um, did you ever see a a therapist or a counselor or anything? Absolutely. As an adult. Mm -hmm. Well, I certainly had. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, no, I definitely appreciate it. It took me time, but yes, I definitely went later on. Mm-hmm. Because you have your memories, you know. Um, some people, you know, they dissociate and uh, their memories are gone or only parts of the memories are there. And uh, they don't remember things. And then they're like trying to put a puzzle together. And uh, in life, sometimes they get those pieces in that puzzle. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But they always have questions, and they always, you know, suffer. You know, you said that you isolated. A lot of us did that. I did that for a very short time because I have a big mouth, and I like to get out there. <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want to like, like stay, like, um, cocooned for too long of a time. But I did, too, internalize. And I, I'm going to go to Lori in a second here. A lot of us do that, and then we'll get back to your story. A lot of us do that. We internalize our feelings, our feelings of sadness, our feelings of sometimes hatred, um, you know, towards a parent or whomever is abusing us or neglecting us or or whatever the case might be. Um, You know, we we tend to, we don't want to look at it as mommy and daddy as being who they were um, and are if they're still alive. And uh, because then that puts guilt on us, I'm supposed to love my parent. But I always tell people this. All right, because it's the truth. People out there have to be good parents for their children to love them, okay? And um, I don't know what your relationship is. We'll get back to that, you know, with your mother today when you go back to your story. But uh, a lot of times there's feelings of hatred, there's feelings of sadness, there's feelings of all different types of things. And we will certainly talk. Uh, about we have like uh, what two days left of child abuse prevention month <laughs> awareness month uh talk a little bit about um you know what the signs are of uh, our child abuse and what we do go through on a psychological level because we all go through it 
those of us who have been abused one way or another. So let me um, let me put Lori on. I'm sure she has some questions, and then I'll go down to Philip. Go ahead, Lori. Hey, how you doing? I'm telling you, I got a positive vibe right off the bat from you. You know a lot about yourself already. You figured it out, your puzzle pieces, and you're young still. Um, I do feel really bad that you had to go through what you did because uh, that, that can drive you crazy. You don't even know you're coming or going to be safe, not safe. You know, it's a lot for a kid to a shoulder. And uh, for some reason, you made wonderful choices. You know, you knew what you wanted. You went after what you wanted. You went to the places where you felt safe and attended to and whatever instead of, like, on the streets, you know, doing everything else. So I'm really impressed that at your age you've done all that. I think you're doing really well. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. I'm trying. I feel like drama there, but I'm glad. You know, I definitely think that life is great in that way when we can see things as the lessons that they are. Yeah, I mean, the way you come out, because I, I used to be a silent kid too, and I would internalize everything. Um, what I'm hearing, you're the opposite now. Um, so I love it. I actually love that you came out of that silence into who you are now. Absolutely. Yeah, so I want to hear. I want to hear more. Mm-hmm. You bet. You bet. Let's go down. Thank you for that, Lori. Let Let's go down to Philip and see if he has a question, or he wants to make a comment, or if he wants to listen a little more. Go ahead. Um, I'd just like to listen, please. You want to listen a little bit more? Okay. And um, All right, we can get back to your story. Now, when I stop you, remember where you were, okay? <laughs> all right. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. So, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, you know, Lori made some, some really valid, good points here. I mean, a lot of us who have been abused at home, one way or another, whether it be physically, sexually, emotionally, right, emotionally, um, or neglected, um, too much work was put on you. You, When were you a kid, you know what I'm saying? And um, I'm glad you had the teachers in school, though, to look up to and who did, you know, uh, give you special attention. You know, you were like the, the teacher's pet at one point because when we're kids, we crave, for God's sake, we crave, you know, acceptance. And um, most of us on NASCA, we didn't get that, okay? So you were able to, you know, have that in school. So go on with your story. And, uh, you know, I know that you have, you're doing, you have Santana Says, and we're going to talk about that later on. You have a podcast called Santana Says. I just want people out there to hear that. Um, and there's a lot of people that listen through the computer. So that's something for you to keep in mind. And um, she has been able to make good choices in life. She didn't get into alcohol. Boy, did I get into alcohol. Holy Christopher. She didn't get into other drugs. I say other drugs because anything that alters your brain, that is a drug, okay? I don't care whether it's alcohol, whether it's pills, or whether it's shooting up heroin, or, or snorting this or snorting that, whatever. They're all drugs. And it appears that you didn't get into that, okay? So let me ask you something, and then you go on with your story. Um, now, look, 
most Catholic churches, a lot of them anyway, I'll put it this way, um, they have problems, let's put it that way. But you know what, so do all churches. But this Catholic church saw me walking down the street and grabbed me and said, you have problems, lady. And I said, yes, I do, because I did. And they took care of me, and that's where my counseling came from. That's how they worked with me. We had a huge prayer group. And in that prayer group, there were 200 people, so they come from all walks of life. So there happened to be therapists in there, and they took a liking to me or or whatever. (laughs) Maybe they felt sorry for me. I don't know. But um, they helped me. All right, they helped me. So that's where my therapy came from, and it did change my life around. Now, let me ask you something. Um, How old were you when you started to get therapy, and when did you feel like you needed it? Go ahead. Um, well, I would definitely, yeah, that came way later. It wasn't anywhere near, and actually, I never really got therapy specifically. I learned about my mother in the process of the therapy, uh, but she wasn't actually mm-hmm. the topic or the reason why I went. So that would, and that would relate back to the story piece. So there was there was that whole chapter with her. And so, you know, growing up with her and the internalizing and all of those things and her not always being able to see things when they occurred, like with the boyfriends and things like that. But there was also, um, um, there was, there was like certain openings, I would say. So then there was, but there, the reason why I say certain things happened before the age of 10, I actually, there is a lot about my childhood that I don't remember, like you mentioned. So yeah, I can't, I, and I haven't, even with therapy, I haven't been able to unlock Certain memories, of course, now working in the mental health field, I know that our brain, you know, helps protect us. So maybe, you know, I don't need to. But it it has been, like, you know, hard, though, to grapple with that, right? When you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, why don't I know about that? Or, like, you know, there's certain stages that, like, ages. And now that I have children, I'm I'm trying to remember certain things from my childhood, and I just cannot, for some reason, you know, like, recover that. Um, But... Mm -hmm. As a result, like, I, yeah, she, she definitely, um, you know, was with me. But the reason why 10 always sticks out to me is because she did finally get a great partner, though, at the age when I was 10, and so my stepfather. And so that was always the father figure that I did have growing up. And so that's why I'm always, to me, there's always, like, the before 10 and then after 10, like, when he was around. So I feel like mm-hmm. those are the two different stages. But interestingly enough, um, we were lucky that he was a great partner because prior to that, my mother had actually been set up before with individuals that were, like, in jail. So I actually remember visiting a prison, like, with her. Like, it was a blind date. It was literally, a, I guess it was, like, a blind date situation for her. But she took me with her. But, like, that's what I mean. Like, she wasn't always doing things that were, like, age-appropriate. I kind of felt like it probably wasn't the best. But at the time, I'm like, well, I'm a kid. I can't really tell her no. <laughs> so let's, here we go. <laughs> But I remember mm-hmm. it, like, I remember that vividly, like, entering a prison and being like, okay, this is scary. Um, why is she talking to a person here? Like, why is this even somebody you want to talk to? But we did. And so there were moments like that as well that occurred. Mm-hmm. And so as mm-hmm. a result, either way, I just didn't – relationship is the main thing I wanted to say is that – so I didn't really know what it looked like to have successful relationships because that's a big part of my life is that – I didn't know that up until that point because I really hadn't seen her in any successful relationships. I don't really, you know, I was still working on the relationship with myself. And so um, I think it was very interesting that you said I did not develop alcohol, correct? But then 
I also actually thought that I was doing really well. So I was like, oh, yeah, like, I mean, so I continued with the school thing. So, like, I went to college also, graduated in four years. So I'm like, well, I'm doing amazing in life. Like, I think I'm doing, like, in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm doing really good. But then I did upon, it was like after graduating from college and it was after my first job, I reunited with someone that I had met in high school, relationship-wise. And so, like, and in an effort to not go back home with mom, because I had made a promise to myself, like, okay, well, once I leave home, I'm not going back. Like, I'm good. I'm just going to do me, and I'm going to figure out my own path. I He had offered to let me move in with him, and I took him up on that, and I was like, sure, because I, I had a job, but I was, like, in between it. And I, was, I wasn't in Cleveland, so I was, like, trying to come back home to Cleveland. And so it was, like, a perfect opportunity. I was like, great, I'll just, yeah, I'll live with you, and then, you know, we'll just – and it's somebody I know and all that. So we're dating, and unfortunately that I ended up finding myself in a domestically violent relationship. And so even though I escaped the alcohol, I didn't escape the generational curse. So I wasn't there for her abuse. Like, I was there for the aftermath when she was with the alcohol. My brother actually did see it, though. He was he was there. He witnessed her actually getting hit and all of those things. So that was a trauma that he experienced. But I, you know, I got, even though I got all that, I did not escape it. And so I found myself in a relationship. And, but I didn't know that. That's like many survivors. I didn't know that that's what I was in. So I just, and since I had nothing to compare it to, I thought that it was a healthy relationship. I was like, well, maybe this is just what happens. Like, it's good sometimes, and then it's bad. And maybe sometimes they yell when they're upset. They get in your face. And so I didn't know how to really recognize it for what it was. But, you know, mm-hmm. and even when it got physical, because it did, it rose to a level of I did get hit before. I I wasn't – this is how I knew where my self-esteem was shattered because I never thought to, like, stick up for myself or, like, oh, I deserve better than this. This doesn't – I probably shouldn't be in this situation. Those thoughts never occurred to me. And, like, years later when I would tell other people, I remember someone telling me, like, oh, well, my husband, like, one time, yeah, he tried to – essentially, which they use the word choke, but I know now is like strangle the person. And so they tried to, you know, use that. And I had called the police immediately. Like I called the police immediately on him because I was like, no, I'm definitely not going to stand for that. And I remember hearing her story and thinking, wow, that's interesting that that was your immediate thought. How come I never stuck up for myself in that way? Because I never thought that. I would have all these situations happen and I would just take them. And that is where I was, I retreated back to being that small, the kid that was quiet and didn't stick up for herself and wouldn't say things. I felt like that in that relationship and so I would not say things there were years that people didn't know my friends didn't know what was happening some of them have told me though about situations that seemed kind of weird like things that they had witnessed and some of again are memories that I don't even I can't retrieve so like a cousin of mine was like yeah one time you both came to an event and he kind of I thought it was weird because he kind of slammed the door in your face and you seemed uncomfortable and I don't remember any of those things and I'm like you know, and she was like, thought it was off, but I didn't know exactly how to act. So I didn't know, you know, so I was like, wow, so here I am, like my mom <laughs> had people seeing things, not knowing how to intercede. And I'm over here in a unhealthy relationship, just like she was. So that was like another big chapter for me in my life was <coughs> having endured that relationship as well. Well, stop right there. Like, I want to say something. Oh, hold yeah, on a second. Absolutely. You know what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're so cute and funny. All right, listen to me. Um, I looked at your website. Yeah, I put it on there and see you tonight on tonight's show. I don't know if you saw it or not. But anyway, um, you just said something that sparked something in me because other people could see, especially with my first husband, 
that he was very sarcastic. Okay. And, and a lot of us, we grow up around sarcasm, and it goes in one ear and out the other, and we don't even know, you know, that people are, are being rude or, or whatever. And we take it. And then I do remember um, one time when someone said, Carol, he was swinging at you. Don't you realize he, he took a swing at you? I said, yeah, but I ducked. <laughs> That's not the point. Okay, I ducked. Are you nuts? So, um I, I had seen so much violence in 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 the type of uh, relationships that uh, my mother had and and, and so forth um, that I became the same person in that. I didn't know how to pick. I still don't know how to pick good guys. It does something to you, okay? It just simply does because you know guys can be so. Now, Philip, I'm not talking about you, okay? <laughs> I'm saying guys can be so, um, they can be so uh, nice and, and, and sweet and so good and, and so this and that. And, and you fall into their prey. That's P-R-E-Y, okay? If they're a guy that, if they are a guy that has problems. And we seem to many times pick that type of personality because that's what we knew and felt comfortable with after a while. As we were growing up with, this is all we knew because this is what was put before us, whether you had your father, your bio father in your life or not. Um, you saw violence, and somehow I think we become a little bit numb uh, to the violence around us if we uh, have it too often many times put in front of us. and uh, Or we become frightened. Am I going to be next? Okay, mommy's getting hit. Am I going to get hit next? Okay. Um, and we seem to tolerate things more of a volatile type of personality um, without even realizing that it's not quite normal. So you see, when people talk about domestic violence, they don't understand the ramifications of it when children, even if they just watch it, their little minds are absorbing all the things that are happening. And you would think, now, you said with the booze with your mom, you were able to stay away from it. But yet when it comes to relationships, it then starts to do something to us where we can't, um, you know, choose appropriately. All right? We have to learn boundaries. What are boundaries? You know what I'm saying? And I'm st- at my my age, and I don't feel like saying it on air right now, but <laughs> I'm a lot older than you, honey, Okay. I still I still wrestle with boundaries because I'm too forgiving or I'm not aware of the fact that it's not quite normal. So when you say that you're, you know, when people say, yes, I'm going for therapy and all this other stuff, that's wonderful. They should be, maybe, you know, if, they, if that's the way they want to go. I don't push people into any direction. But we certainly do need it, many of us, because of the backgrounds that we grew up in. So why I'll look at some guy and I'll think, oh, he's he's a nice looking guy, and I'll talk to him and I'll think, oh, you know what, he's a dork, <laughs> he's not my type of person, because I grew up in an atmosphere where I was used to a different type of lifestyle, but that lifestyle wasn't good. So right. this is you know it, this happens to a lot of people, and and those of us who have seen too much domestic violence 
because either one of the parents or it's in your household, right? Um, we have to learn uh, that dorky-looking people can be nice, too. <laughs> they can be good. And, uh, right. you know, we we have to learn um, what's good in people and, and stay away from the bad. And then if we find someone who's toxic, yeah, get rid of them, you bet. So... That's where I'm at right now too. I mean, I've I've run into a situation where I was madly in love, and uh, but it wasn't right, and uh, that person's gone, and it hurts. But you know what? There's always tomorrow, honey. Oh yes, there is. There's always tomorrow. So let me ask you something: Are you in a relationship right now? Nope, <laughs> not at all. No, and, and you know what? You don't have to be. Okay, right. so, I mean, some women think they have to be, and, and you know, in a relationship, I I'm alone. I probably shouldn't say that, but I'm alone and I have my own house and all this other stuff. And you know what? I'm not being screamed at. I'm not being told I'm stupid or whatever, which I had to learn that I'm not. Um, but all the things that went along with it, uh, in the volatile situations that so many of us get into. Um, you know, now it's I'm finding peacefulness. And it's kind of nice. I, and I'm, a, I'm my own boss. I don't have to tell people when I'm going, when I'm not going, or answer to anybody, okay? And quite frankly, considering the past that I had, this is like a, a dream, a good one. Not a nightmare, but a, a good dream. So in your relationships, um do you know what type of guy you like? I do. I definitely I definitely have put in a lot of thought into it actually. So like mm-hmm. I'll even write like I've even wrote written like poetry around it, like what I would like to have and what I would like to look like. And I mean I've definitely dated so like I've I've at least tried. Um but I do think that I've I've absolutely been taking my time and then and because I actually know what I would like it to look like versus what I would no longer like it to look like. And since I feel like I would not like to stand for certain things, it has actually made me single. Like in the process, I feel like it's, you know, I'm no longer in a rush. I think there was also a point in time where I was, I I agree with what you said as far as like we sometimes do attach like value to being in a relationship and like fulfillment to that. And I was one of those people. And I also, there was a point in time where I just didn't want to be alone. And I'm so glad that like, it didn't force me into yet another relationship that was like not, that wouldn't have also served me. So I was able to get past that stage and now I no longer feel those things, but I also had to get to a place where I was comfortable with my own company. So like I actually used to get that advice of like, take yourself out and, you know, take yourself to the movies or go out to eat. And I thought that was like the weirdest thing ever. I was like, who does that? Like people actually, oh, do, why, would you go, why would you go by yourself? You're going to look like the weirdo. And I'm like, now I love it though. But I am telling you, when I first heard that, I was like, you guys are weird. That's not, that doesn't seem normal. But now I understand, you know. And I was like, well, actually, you're the one not normal because you're not, you know, why are you so uncomfortable with yourself? Like, you're actually pretty cool. Like, you just gave yourself that opportunity. And so it's like, I, once I did come to terms with that, I was like, wow, I am actually, I'm actually good to myself, you know, and I actually, you know, can do that. And so that's been great for me. So now if the relationship comes um, I would love, well, I mean, sure. I mean, I'm not going to act like I wouldn't, I don't desire that companionship, but am I as in a rush order or anything like that like I was? No. 
So, you know, that's mm-hmm. where I feel like I'm currently. And let me ask Lori something about that. Lori, um, if you felt like going out and, and having a bite by yourself, like going into a restaurant or something, um, are you comfortable enough with yourself to do that? I mean, would you do it and think nothing of it? Oh, How God, I am so that? envious of both of you um, being able to <laughs> get up and do what you're doing. Totally envious. I only wish that I could do <laughs> what you've been doing. I was matched with a person I knew would never work out. But what happened was I ended up with a severely handicapped son who can't survive with a split uh, of the marriage. And I needed, and I still need for my son to be able to live home, my husband's income. So they're all over me constantly. You know, I can't get rid of them. I had to move to a house that had an extra living room in it just so they could have their space and stay out of my face. But seeing me actually even go to a restaurant without them, uh, I'm here like 44 years with him. No, I don't see it at all. I would love to be able to do it, though, you know, but I'm I'm kind of held prisoner here, and I can't get out. So, yeah, I'm very envious of what you're, both of you have done and what you've had and how you're able now to choose what you know you want. You know, I mean, that that's amazing to have come from uh, a background like yours from your, your younger years, such so, so, you're so sure of yourself. Um, what I did want to comment on are those unretrieved memories. Uh, the brain um, basically is protecting you, is what it's actually doing. I wouldn't be too anxious to find something that you have to look that hard for because it's probably not a good memory. If it's good, it'll come to you again. You know, it's like move forward, which you've done. Um I got to ask you, how old are you? 34. Okay, I'm my guess. <laughs> I know it. Yep. Look at all you've She's done. She's a baby. Go ahead. She is. <laughs> <laughs> and look at all you've done. I know. It's amazing. I've got her bio right in front of me. It's just, when I look at it, I'm like blown away. I mean, I get, I've gotten to where I am today. I took a lot of schooling off and on. And, and all this other stuff, but the years went by off and on, too. So uh, she's 34 years old, and she's done so much. And she's got her own podcast. That's good. I mean, there's just so many things. And um, she she likes school, too. Uh, she loves school, I can tell. And that's a good thing. I had so many panic attacks. I finally wrote my book, uh, Panic Child, A Harrowing True Story of Sexual Abuse and Neglect. It's all over the world. And if that wasn't supposed to happen, okay. So people out there, be careful, because I don't get any royalties. But I am thankful. Um, I don't even know how it happened because I am in the Library uh, Book of Congress or whatever the heck you call it. I had interned in on it, so they can't say that they wrote the book. You know what I'm saying? But um, somehow, my book got into the hands of many different um, publishers or whatever. And uh, like I'm with Author House and, and with a whole bunch of them. So that's how my book got all over the world. And you know what? At this point in my life, um, I'm thankful enough for that. Okay, that's that's like payment to me. It really is. But I went through 
it's not fair, but it's it's like I'll I'll settle with that. I don't care. Now, what we do when we are, you know, survivors of child abuse so often, we write our books or uh, we we play our, our music. I love to sing. My son's a guitarist. I mean, he's what a wonderful guitar player he is. And, um, you know, we do all different kinds of things. Uh, artwork, a lot of people are into, you know, drawing. I have a lot of friends through NASCA. That when I did presentations, I'll get back to it again, I think. I'm not sure. We live in a crazy world. <laughs> I don't want to get picked off. But, you know, um, well, I was doing a lot of presentations, and uh, I would have them draw pictures for the presentations, and people were actually coming up and taking pictures of the pictures I was using for the presentations. And uh, so that shows you we we may have had all of our problems in the past, whatever they might be, okay? Not everyone's the same. But we have a talent somewhere. Lori has tons of talent. And uh, I love, you know, going online and watching what she creates and, and so forth. And um, there are other friends that I have that, uh, you know, are artists, you know, and they draw pictures, like I said, or they make their music and, and things like that. Now we write our books and we do presentations. And you have a podcast. That's wonderful. And... um let me see, what does it say here about Planned Parenthood? I'm also a bilingual peer educator coordinator for Planned Parenthood in Greater Ohio, where I educate adult health, health ambassadors about various areas of sexual health. What? Explain that. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> sure. Um, so I have a full-time job where I'm, like, I do social work. But I was, after the pandemic, I had actually um, applied. I applied all over because I actually was one of the people that lost my job, unfortunately, um, which I love. And so I applied all over. I had actually applied to be a part of Planned Parenthood during that time. And at the time they did, it sounded like a nice breakup. They were like, oh, we don't have anything, like, in your area expertise, but we'll keep your resume on file. We'll, like, contact you when we can, like, if something opens up. So I figured that meant, like, I'll never hear from them again, but that was nice. Nice to meet you. So then, but actually, they did get this grant to start a pilot program, and it was for Spanish speakers. So they wanted to be able, they already engage a lot of youth with their, like, peer education program, but they wanted to be able to not only engage adults, but then adults that speak Spanish. And so essentially make them also peer educators in the world of sexual health, but, like, have somebody, you know, train them in these different areas so they could then go in the community and have these conversations and presentations on sexual health. And so they needed somebody to help facilitate that program, and that person needed to also be bilingual so that they can run the program completely in Spanish. So that is what I do with them. So I actually, last year was the pilot year, and then I got brought on for a second year, so it's my second year with them now. But in the process, I do help facilitate a program. It's called Embajadores de Salud. And so I do get to basically essentially train them and then all these different things and then also supervise the deliverables. But in the process, we're engaging a new population now, but also still using that framework of peer education, which has been very successful as far as, you know, getting word of mouth out, you know, on these different topics. And in the process, they do touch on, you know, a lot of things where, you know, some of which we're talking to about today, and, of course, I'm sure have been mentioned on many other shows, but they do talk about things like healthy relationships and advocating for sexual health and different things like that. And since it is Planned Parenthood, we do educate on abortion and other services as well. But that's what that position is. 
Well, you know, that's uh, you said ten mouthfuls there, and that's good. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sitting here laughing because it says that you talk a lot, you talk very fast. Yes, you do. <laughs> but you're very, very, you also say that you're, um, let's see, where is it? Now I lost the uh, line. Uh, but anyway, that you're you're driven. You are driven. You have your belief systems, and and you're just so bubbly, and you're so driven, and you're just so into all the things that you do. I think it's very important. I truly do that um, we learn more about you know people, especially those who come from you know homes that are uh, bad and all this other stuff. Without going into details. Um, you know, where there's a lot of neglect and, and a lot of emotional abuse, and that, that we have no self-esteem so many times. I had to grow up and get out of that and uh, so forth and put the blame where the blame belonged. And uh, those who of us who suffered from incest and all this other stuff, that really brings us down. But, you know, um, you speak about teaching about sexuality. Uh, I remember going when I was in high school, they tried to teach about sexuality. And I remember going into a room, you know, a classroom, and uh, they would talk about um, how you get pregnant and, and all this other stuff. And uh, But the, it was so dry, you know what I'm saying? It was just like, like something that uh, it didn't really stick with me. I was bored, okay? Right. But people, it depends on how you, you present it, and it's so important to learn about sexuality, the right way, the wrong way, and why. See, so often people spout out all kinds of things, and they don't say why. Parents do that with their children. Because I told you so, not good enough. Kids have brains. They're not stupid. Okay, kids are not stupid. And and they need to, you know, you can sit them down, instead of smacking them in the head, oh, my mother used to love to punch me in the head, and uh, so I have, like, um, one really bad ear because I'm like that. Remember the movie, The Christmas Story, I think it's called, and the kid got whacked in the ear and he couldn't hear right <laughs> after that? Um, well, that's sort of like what I am with my left ear. And, um, you know, I mean, kids, they have brains. You can sit them down in an appropriate way, speak to them about sexuality, um, about anything else, and, and when they ask a question, not, don't say, because I told you so. That's not good enough. Explain to them why. It's important. And, like, you don't tell kids, you know, to um, to talk to strangers, and then they say, but why? You say, don't talk to strangers, but why? And, but you don't give them answers. You know what I'm saying? And, and that goes mm-hmm. for any part of bringing children up. You know, it's a very, very important thing to sit down with your children and tell them things, teach them things, and give them answers, and don't leave them hanging. So with this uh, this class or whatever it is that you run, okay, uh, tell us a little something about it. I mean, how do you teach people about sexuality and all that? Oh, man. So I would definitely say that, as you mentioned, I do think that it's that style, though, so I do try to use, make use of my energy in that way where, you know, when appropriate, trying to keep it as light as possible because I already, so I do try to, and that's, so that is everywhere. So with these classes, but then also on the podcast and when I do my own presentation. So speaking of those, I I hear you on that. It's 
because I do try to keep it at least a little bit lighter just because I already know how heavy it is. So a lot of when I do go into these topics, I actually say that from the beginning. You know, it's like just as a disclaimer, but also just as a recognition. Like I don't feel like we need to ignore the difficulty that may come with it or like try to act like it's not present. If anything, we should lead into it, but then also make it clear that, you know, let's, Let's recognize that, but then let's use this as an educational opportunity to then know how we can have a proper conversation about it and then what resources are there around it. So a big thing I like to do is in those classes start it off, you know, that way, welcome any and all questions because I feel like mm-hmm. that's the other thing that sometimes happens is that people are afraid to ask questions when it comes to these, but I feel like we can't have enough questions because it's, obviously it's it's a, that's the only way we're actually going to learn about it. And I feel like actually sit with it and learn and grow from it. And so I definitely welcome those, but I definitely feel that it's always helpful to have resources as well, like just something that they can draw upon and do all that. And so that is, um, in these classes, that absolutely happens. But then I also, what I love about this group is that we also get to tap into cultural identity. And so given the fact that it was a unique population that we were attempting to serve, I love mm-hmm. the fact that, and not all of this, some of this I do on my own, but some of this Planned Parenthood did intentionally was to incorporate it um, and connect it to social justice and so like and to diversity and to intersectionality. And so we will talk about all that and then reemphasize how this is important on a diversity level and like why this mm-hmm. is needed in our world. So we do it that way. Right. Well. That's good. That's good. And uh, kids need to be, uh, you know, taught. That, I mean, you should have, I mean, I'm, this is just my opinion, okay? I think anyone, you know, teenagers need to have someone like you to talk to about sexuality and um, and also about sex in general. And, and then, too, what happens, I mean, why don't people take more birth control pills? You know, it makes no sense to me. But before we go into that, I have a 216 area code number here. Who am I speaking to? Two one six. Can you? Who's yeah, I, I. Hi. Uh, well, my name is Nancy. Oh, okay, Nancy. I hear you. Um, uh, have you been? You haven't been listening that long. I think I just saw you pop in. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. Okay, that's good. So um, I'll okay. call on you in a few minutes after you have a, a chance to uh, listen more. You might have a question or something. Okay, Nancy. Okay. Okay. So. Yes. Right now. Thank you. So, all right, that's good. So, what I'm what I'm talking about here, what I'm talking about here, is uh, I don't understand with society. I'm not going to point fingers or anything. I happen to be pro-choice or pro. I'm sorry, pro-life, not pro-choice, because I believe that the minute the sperm hits the egg, that's a baby. You know why I believe that? Because when we, I came from florists, people who are flower people, they grew all kinds of flowers. And um, I watched them put seeds in the ground and up, you know, after a while of nurturing into Mother Nature and all this other stuff, um, all of a sudden there was a beautiful flower. Well, to me, it's the same thing like with a child. Okay, you, you have the seed and then it becomes the beautiful child. So that's my thought on it, okay? And that doesn't mean anything, but I'm just telling you how I feel. But I wonder why society doesn't take more birth control pills. Do you speak to them about taking birth control pills so they don't have to go to the next step? Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely mentioned as well. It's absolutely part of 
the we actually have a whole section on that also for both the adults mm-hmm. and the youth. So that that is contraception is absolutely a whole section that is touched upon. Abortion actually is not um when we when we actually educate on it, it's not that we are educating them to encourage others to take advantage of that resource. We educate mm-hmm. more on what is it. Just like, you know, like literally it's existence. Like what is it and all that? But it's also mm-hmm. not the only thing that Planned Parenthood provides. It's just what it's associated with, you know, more in the media. Mm-hmm. 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 I get it. I get it. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and have a debate about abortion. <laughs> That's people's choice, you know, what, what they what they want, you know, like with uh, rape and incest. I mean, come on. I mean, I, even I have uh, my reservations about that. Um, and I did get pregnant when I was 17 through my last rape. We'll put it that way. Um, but God took care of that one because I had, you know, I didn't have to have an abortion. I miscarried. So uh, I always feel like I have a baby up in heaven. And I just know I'm going to go there. Yes, I do. <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. But anyway, um, let, let's see what Nancy has to say here. Nancy, you've listened a little bit. Um, do you have a question or do you want to listen right now? I think I'm just going to listen right now. I'm I'm pro-life myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, I'm Catholic. Volume's right there. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that uh, has always bothered me over the years and still does is um I don't know when it comes to uh to someone being raped okay mm-hmm. um, I still I still struggle with that is it up to the person like you know why does well of course it's my church stuff you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. but for mm-hmm. some be taught basically that it's like your life or the baby's. Like yeah, I, yeah. I've often wondered. I mean, for, because I was sexually assaulted at a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, I had attempted rapes, things like that. But I always wondered. You know, what would I have done? You know, and what if the uh, the woman who does become pregnant? What if her mind can't handle it, and she commits mm-hmm. suicide? What if she mm-hmm. goes insane? You know, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I still struggle with it. It is, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm Catholic too. Uh, Nancy, I'm Catholic too. We can't get on this but, subject too much here. But I'm Catholic too. But um, the thing of it is, um, there are those ifs. What if, what if, what if. And I, I get it. I get it, Okay. Because it, it does make a, a person wonder, you know, um, um, we didn't ask to get raped, okay? Um, and if it was incest, oh, my God, who would want that? Because the baby's probably not going to be normal. And if it's the mother's, um, you know, uh, maybe she's sick or something, um, you know what I'm saying? I get that. I get it. And I struggle with that, too. I do. But anyway, that's not what she does. She does all kinds of stuff. This woman is amazing, and she's only 34 years old, and we're all very jealous of her <laughs> because she's, she's doing all kinds of stuff. So um, anyway, um, let's back to, get back to here what you were talking about um, with what you do. Do, do you have, like, uh, 18-year-olds, like, come in, and you can speak to them about, you know, sexuality and all that? 
Yeah, I can. I mean, well, so there's different ways so that so the Planned Parenthood is definitely just one position and, and it's there where I engage more of the adults. It's a virtual program. So I'm essentially uh-huh. doing a lot of these trainings online. Um but they're yeah, these are adults. So they're like a lot of them already have like separate careers. They do all these other things. The I would say my full time job I but it, that's why they kind of like intersect as as much as they do. My full time job is actually a social worker at a high school, mm-hmm. so there I would say that that's where I engage more of like the teenagers and things like that. So I have the opportunity, you know, with both positions, but with the one, I'm more engaging adults in that way. Well, that's good. That's good. You know, um, to have a social worker in the school is so, so important, and they have to be one that, you know, understands, um, you know, all kinds of abuses, too. And so often right. they don't. They don't get it. Or they look the other way, don't they, okay, rather than, than to, to get involved with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Lori on. I haven't heard from her in a little while. Lori, go ahead. Um, what you're doing is amazing at your age, as I said, is amazing. And what I'm doing over here, listening to you, I'm realizing that you're one of us at a young age. I'm not dating myself either, uh, but I'm up there. (laughs) So this is very refreshing to me that we have support coming in that's very positive. uh, Community work is the best work to do. And uh, sooner or later, uh, you're going to be able to, like, recognize everybody, everybody who doesn't fit in, everybody who does fit in. You, You already can size up a person. Um, so, you know, it's refreshing on this, on this end here. Uh, I'm just amazed that you're able to put so much in a day, you know, so many activities and how you come to think of it. I honestly think you went through what you did to become who you are today, honestly. And I think the memories you don't recover are good. Let them not recover. You just keep going forward. Uh, you're right. a leader. You're a leader, and and this is what the world needs. So um, you do it. (laughs) You're the chosen one. I'm sure of this. I'm absolutely sure of this. Wow. I I agree with you. I agree with you. Because, you know, a lot of times when kids um, go through, I'm not going to say just domestic violence, that in itself is a horrific thing. Now, every once in a while, I will mention, I will mention that, and this is true, they found that they've done many, many, many studies, but uh, a child who witnesses domestic violence, whether they get hit or not, okay, um, is equal to the trauma of a soldier. Now, Lori's heard me say this before. I've said it maybe three or four times on, on, uh, on, you know, on the show. Now, how do they equate that? Where do they come to that conclusion? How do they do that? But, you see, when children are watching their parents grow up, say they have their mother and father, okay, and, and, but they hate each other, and they're hitting each other, and, and maybe one gets blown away or whatever, you know. So then you have this, the soldier standing next to, you know, this um, scenario, and uh, the soldier watches his buddy get his head blown off. Now, one thing that they have, you know, when soldiers are in war, you know, they're, they're working together, they're, they're living together, they watch each other's back. So, you know, it's a very traumatic thing to see, just as it is for the child 
who witnesses the mother and the father who's supposed to nurture them, okay? Nurture them, guide them, love them, um, tell them what's right and what's wrong and why, um, and all these other things that, you know, that go on. And uh, so it's it's the same type of trauma. If you were to have, do the ACE study, I'm sure you're sure you know what the ACE study is. Um, I was a nine on that. There's only ten questions. I was a nine. And the only reason why I didn't hit ten was because none of my people went to jail. Because they asked if a family member went to jail. And... Um, that was one of the questions. Well, had that not been there, I would have been 100%, okay, because no one got caught and went to jail for any of the transgressions that they did, you know, to me or to any other family member. So um, all the traumas that we go through, and we don't take a yardstick here. We had someone on not too long ago where they said, well, okay, I, I only got raped once. Yeah, and? Once is one time too many, okay? You're not supposed to get raped at all. And you can have just as much of a traumatic um, type of, you know, problems as someone who got raped many, 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 many times, okay? So um, are you still there? I heard a click in the line. Oh, no, I'm definitely here. Oh, okay. So anyway, what these things happen, you know, to us, uh, it definitely causes all different types of of, uh, of trauma. So I, you know, people they call me. I'm the, I'm the night owl, <laughs> and they call me in the a.m. hours. And um, I'm used to working a.m. hours and so forth, so it doesn't bother me. But we're here to support each other and also to you know give resources and 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 things like that. Um, programs which we have on our NASCA website, which people can go to, and. Um, and it's important that people find the help that they need. A lot of people can't afford a therapist. They can't. So a lot of these programs um, are just about, well, I think maybe give them 50 bucks or something and you're in. And uh, that's a lot cheaper. I hope it's good. They, I have got a lot of good feedback. But what I want to get to right now is what do you do on your show? You say, I host a podcast called Santana Says. Tell us about the show. Sure thing. So, um, the show. So that was also. It took me forever to actually start it. I wanted to start it like years ago, but it was that whole, you know, not only it's, it's still grappling with trying to believe in myself. So I even today, like I, I still appreciate meeting you, Lori. Like what you just said, and I'm, I'm, I'm still working on actually accepting when I get those compliments because I all get, I get really bashful and then I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I know. So, I know what that's like. You know, it's still a work in progress. Yes, I'm always like, but but I sincerely appreciate it because I think that's still been part of my process, just being able to say that, you know, uh, agreed, it wasn't in vain. Like, it wasn't in vain what happened. And I love telling others that same thing. And like you mentioned about the memories, agreed. For the longest, it bothered me. But I'm just, I'm starting to come to terms with the fact that, but you don't need them. You don't. And there is absolutely a reason for that. But also, and and you're still here. That's the most important part. And so, like, you know, use that. And so, speaking of all that, I finally, you know, I got encouragement from some great friends and uh, people who put great people in my path. And so I was able to finally start the podcast, which I launched last year on my birthday. So, like, it was on my birthday. I was super excited. So, in October, I'm an October baby. 
um, mm-hmm. I was able to finally launch it. And so it is actually a combination of what we've described today. So on Santana says, I do talk about the crux of it is relationships. And so I'll talk a lot about um, healthy relationships and, like, what they look like. But I actually do go into detail about not only my own experience, but then, so like you said, you know how, like, it was really valuable having teachers and all that. I'm actually still in contact with one of my teachers who, like, I met in elementary school. We've just, she's remained in my life since then, which is incredible to say. She actually comes on the show. The person that encouraged mm-hmm. me to actually start the podcast, she's a guest on the show. And so I bring different people um, like that. And so, but in the process, I love touching on all of the areas of interpersonal violence. And so not only domestic violence, which is mine, but then I, we used to work at the Rape Crisis Center. And then obviously I do the work with Planned Parenthood and all these other things. And so I also talk about like sexual assault. I'll talk about stalking because I used to educate and still do on those areas as well. Um, A bit about teen dating, violence, mental health. And so like this month, given, like you said, um, I did have an episode on sexual assault awareness so that that aired. And then tonight, actually, another episode is airing today because mine mine is a biweekly show. So there's a show that drops every other Friday. So today I dropped another episode, and that one was in honor of Child Abuse Prevention Month. So I brought on someone who I met cross paths with at my school. She actually put on programming for our students, and it was around grief, actually, too, because we also had lost a student. And so she also talks about how she advocates for children and what she does. And so I love just bringing awareness to all of that. But in the end, really just trying to empower others. I share a bit of my poetry on the show also. So it's a little bit of everything, but I, it is a love. Now it's like a labor of love. I just love doing it. It's part of my self-care, I would say, because, like, when I go on, I love, like, being able to indulge. And even today, I love, like, being able to have, you know, come on here as well. But that is, mm-hmm. you know, what I get to do on that. Well, you know, we, we, this is what we talk about, though, and it's so true. Um, if we're able to help other people. All right, if we're able to do that um, in whatever capacity, whether it be the homeless, because I, I work with the homeless at times. I did in New York City. I was born in New York, and um, so was Lori, by the way. So anyway, the point is New York City, as much as I love it, <laughs> you have to be really careful today. So the group that I was working with, they they sort of like shut down, and I'm sorry that they did that. But they're afraid to go into the city. I mean, can you go into the Bronx, really? I don't think so. I mean, there's certain areas, all right? So we stayed close more to Manhattan, you know, um, over by the theater area district because there were two parks over there. And there's homeless people everywhere. This is disgusting what's going on in our country. I'm going to keep it at that. I won't say any more because I'm not allowed to talk politics. But I can say that. (laughs) So... Anyway, whether I work with the homeless or whether I work with kids or whether I work with adults, I mean, I'm always busy, 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 and also doing a lot of research um, so that I have topics to uh, speak about. When we don't have someone, you know, like a guest that's coming on, like tonight you came on, we're so happy you did. Now, you know, you are very diversified in the sense that you have worked in different areas, and um, I really do uh, admire you. I absolutely do. And I'm glad that you had this uh, and and you spoke so much on the podcast because there's a lot of people that listen, you know. And uh, after tonight's show, I mean, everything is recorded here, okay. In fact, if you want to hear tonight's show, 
you can go to our website, okay, and on the right-hand side of the website, that's NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A.org, NASCA.org. And the only thing that will be there, don't look for your name, but look for the top number, and this is scan number 3170. That's 3170. And you click on to that. It's still on the right-hand side of the screen. You'll see it. Um, and it's down like not even halfway, somewhere in there. You'll see 3170. Click on to it, and there's your show. And then later on, Bill will put it in the archives, and uh, that'll be permanent. It stays there forever, forever, Melissa. Okay? Awesome. So, yeah. So, and you can find that easy enough, too, under the current events, I think he has it under, down at the bottom of the screen. Or he says either events or shows. Shows would make more sense to me. But you can click on to that, like, say, tomorrow or the next day. It might take him a couple of days to do it, put it in there. And um, all you do is find your name, the date, and the scan number. Don't forget the scan number, the 3170. That's very important. And then everybody, anyone in your family, if you want to do that, um, you know, whomever, or your friends, whatever, um, can hear the show tonight. Okay, it's there forever. And we had a very good show. Yeah, and we had a very good show. And I'm so glad that you, uh, you know, that you were able to make it. Um, I love it on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays when we have our shows. I'm going to have organizations come on very soon, um, trying to get them scheduled. And um, I'm try- I'm, I, we have organizations that we work with, and they do such wonderful, wonderful work too. Uh, like Winona's House, that's one. Deidre's House, that's another one. Child Help Itself is another one. And I have um, have them going to get them scheduled. So um, whether it be organizations or whether it be people telling their story for the very first time and who are very scared. Now, you did fine. You weren't scared, I don't think. <laughs> okay. And uh, But we have people who are very frightened when they first come on because they're bearing their soul, aren't they? This is what you do. You bear your soul. But in, by doing this, it actually helps you. And and then, you know, you continue on telling your story. And as you tell your story, whether it be sometimes in churches, I had churches that accepted me to do that, to tell my story, uh, or in universities where they're learning to become a social worker so that they can work with the people who have, you know, in child abuse, um, or even with police departments. I've spoken to that, and that's people who need to be more educated, um, you know, about child abuse so that when they do get their calls and they do go out, they can make a quick scan of what they're looking at, you know, and hopefully they're not going to be uh, abused themselves. And uh, But they can see the children, see if they're bleeding, see things, see bruising. If it's nighttime, it's hard. But you can tell by the way a kid's uh, behavior, their body language tells an awful lot, doesn't it? It talks about um, whether they're scared or whether they're sad or whether they're, they're you know, whatever. So that's very important to learn all the signs of what to see and what to look for when you're looking at the children. If they don't make eye contact, if their head is down, there's a big, bad problem, okay? It could be anything, but there's a bad problem. So a lot of times, um, you know, I've spoken to police officers, and we all do this. Many of us go out and do presentations. This is the way. Look, when I was... um, when I first wrote my book, there was only one other book like mine online on Amazon. That's it. 
Today, if you look up child abuse on Amazon, you'll you'll find many, 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 well, a couple hundred or whatever more. I don't count. I don't know. You know, books. So we have come a long ways. I wrote my book like 12 years ago, or 13 years ago now. And um, so they're selling like hotcakes. And then also, two people are writing children's books, and I very much appreciate those because um, parents out there, if you go online to our NASCA website, you'll learn how to speak to your children and when the right time is. Just open up the right links under prevention. Um, uh, you know, you'll see it. And it has all different types of articles, and you learn a lot from that. So, um, Anyway, this show is going to be over in about six minutes. Uh, Lori, what time do you have? My clock only says 9.15, but they did the electricity today, so I may be off. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think mine is off by about six minutes. I think it's like 9.20. What do you have? Do you, Melissa, do you have a, a clock in front of you or whatever? Yeah, mine says 9.16, so we are like a minute, oh. a couple minutes different. Okay, we're we're doing good then. All right, good. So um, before we do close out the show, though, what we do, what we do, is uh, we ask the guests, you know, to talk about, uh, to give advice to people who are listening right now about, you know, the abuses that you were speaking about and um, how you can overcome. Now you're a shining example, like Lori had pointed out, that you didn't get into the drug scene. Okay. And uh, But still in all, you had problems with, um, you know, picking partners. I think that's a biggie with all of us, whether you get into drugs or not, you know, because of, of the way we're brought up. But, you know, let them know that there's hope. What would you tell people today, okay, about, um, you know, who have been abused? Go ahead. I would definitely say that, and and even – you know, one that our life is absolutely a journey for a reason. I feel like we are going to go through, you know, so many different stages. And obviously, given, you know, we have, since we have shared where I'm at, not only where I'm at emotionally, but like, you know, and, and since we did share that I am, you know, young, I appreciate that. And I feel like, you know, at any age, that's how we know that there's growth that can happen at any stage in our life, you know, because I feel like, I, I'm finally actually starting to realize how young I am. You know, you know, I was that typical person that when I first got to my age, I was thinking like many others, like, oh, I'm actually getting older and this is different. And, you know, now I'm realizing the grand scheme now. <laughs> like I still have so much more life to, to live. There is no rush, you know, and there's, and there's so much more left to discover. And that is what I'm excited about. I feel like there's still so much more that I can unlock. You know, there's so many new things that I have yet to still discover, even with the experiences I've had. And I definitely want others to know that that absolutely is true for me too. And I think that for the longest, there have been times where I counted myself out. You know, I didn't, as you all heard, like I was robbing myself from many opportunities. It took me a long time because I was thinking that I didn't deserve it. You know, I had, I had been thinking that, no, I wasn't worth any of those things and that, you know, in a lot of those situations, including the one uh, relationship I was in, I had heard a lot of defeating messages. There was, it was physically violent in nature, but I heard a lot of insults that were very hard for me to overcome. You know, it took me a long, it took me long to recover from that. I would definitely say in the, you know, the physical scars. And I, you know, had to take that time to really, because of that, fall back in love really with myself since, you know, that that had been broken. And I want people to know that 
not only do you deserve to do that, but I would love for others to give themselves permission to do that first because that is something that I feel like I needed to do first and foremost. I had to just even let myself know that I even, that first of all, I did deserve that and then give myself the opportunity to do that. And so I'm still working on that. I'm not done. <laughs> I don't think any of us ever will be, but I think the beauty of it, you know, is being able to see our value along the way and be able to allow ourselves to see ourselves so much more than what has occurred to us and not just as the sum of what has happened to us. There's so much more than that. And I want others to absolutely be reminded of that. And I hope that, you know, tonight you hear that, but just always, you know, and whenever you can. And if I can be a resource to anyone, if I was a resource today or can be in the future, I would love to because I feel like we can't do any of this alone and we shouldn't have to. And I just think that, you know, as long as we can and we can band together with one another in that way, I would love to be a part of that. No, we'd love having you on the show. And, you know, once you come on and tell your story, and you were a fine guest, yes, you were, um, you're you're a part of our family now. You're a part of the mm-hmm. NASCAR family. Mm-hmm. Love that. And, and you can come on any time you want, Monday through Friday, okay? You know, you know you have the telephone number, okay? And you know what time to call in. And um, you you can be on the panel or you can listen to the show, whatever. And uh, as time goes by, I mean, uh, maybe you'd really like to become a panelist, you know. Maybe you'd really Absolutely. like that. And uh, you have so much to offer, all right. You really do. And uh, maybe we could even put you on um, a show for yourself. We have that on Tuesdays and Thursdays where, um, you know, you deal in so many different uh, expertise here, areas that, that we could maybe have you for a Tuesday or Thursday night. I'm not sure I'd have to look into the schedule. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know about that. I have to see. But you could certainly fit in there because of, of, your, of your education and, and what you're working with and all this other stuff. People need solutions, okay? They call me in the AM. I'm a counselor. And they call me in the AM, and uh, like Lori knows, if she wants to talk to me, um, it's really probably better, unless she sees me online or something, to wait until like 1 or 2, because I have to sleep sometimes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, sometimes I'm up that late. Like I'll take my shower at, at 6.30 in the morning and hit the sack, okay? Depends on who's calling, all right, what, what their needs are and so forth. We always need more resources, um, and um, um, if you could give us, you know, at another time, um, you know, things to talk about with resources who are good resources, who you feel are good resources, um, that's always something that if Bill approves of it, he could uh, print that, and it could be right on the website. You might be a very good resource, okay? We'll talk more about that. So um, my contact number, by the way, is on the front page of the uh the website under contacts and you just click on to it and uh, I'm number two and I tell you Bill I should be number one <laughs> I did I love to tease him but anyway um, I'm second on there and I'm also after my name it's uh, says the night owl so you'll know that that's me you see night owl you know you've got the right thing so if you want to talk about future events or something like that there and, and maybe more things that you could do on this show Please feel free to call me in the afternoon, okay, and um, mm-hmm. we'll talk, okay? Can we do that? I think so. 
So before I, I shut the show out, I haven't got the 90-second uh, cue yet, I'm going to have Lori say goodnight to you, and then we'll go to Nancy. And Philip just, um, he just dropped, I don't know. So, Lori, go ahead. It was a pleasure to listen to you tonight, uh, for real. I was down in the dumps about the way the system was turning out so negatively. But after hearing your story, which was truly heartbreaking, and then going to where you are now, it's a wonder that, you know, you could do 12 hours a day twice, you know, over like constantly every day. You have that kind of energy. And the way you get information out, you do it very quickly. Um, I've been taking you down. I was a court reporter. You're in a speaking at over 300 words a minute, um, mid to high a year. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, some people like uh, don't get it and they ask you to repeat. That would be the only reason. But every word that you say was a pleasure to listen to. You're so positive. So I do hope you come back. I, I, I'd be anxious to hear you again. And I've listened to your podcast, too. There you go. You bet, you bet. Yeah, let's go down to Nancy here. Um, Nancy, what do you have to say? Do you have a quick question you want to ask her? Because we have a few minutes left here. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say I enjoyed listening to it and learning, of course. And uh, I listened to what you had to say, Carol, you know, about Mm -hmm. when the child witnesses uh, the domestic violence. I'm one of those, and my ACEs uh, ACE score was very high up there. Except my parents never were in jail. I'm an only child, and that's all that I witnessed from the beginning. And I'm not sure which ways it affected me uh, exactly, except that um, I don't know. I hope to tell my story sometime or that portion of it. I'm a survivor of many different avenues, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, witnessing well, the domestic violence is uh, it's pretty horrendous. I feel like um, I've become overly affectionate, not, not in a weird way, but mm-hmm. my arms are always open and I seek affection and hugs and closeness yes. and hand because I never saw that. I never, all I saw was beating, beating, beating. My mom was screaming, starting, you know, fight. And yeah, we know about that. Yeah. Only child. And you're just there like the, it always feels like I keep going back to mommy dearest, like Jesus Christ. You know, when I was a little child, my safe space was under a dining room table underneath the lace tablecloth, and then she'd pick it up and and tell me, you know, look what you caused. Well, I I have to do with that. You know, they do that a lot. They do that a lot, Nancy. Let let me say something to you. If you want to really, you know, come on the show, okay, and, and tell your story, okay, um, get your head together, what you want to say and all that stuff, you know. Um, sit down and write down all the things you want to talk about. And um, that's sort of like a bio because that's something we're going to need from you. Um, right. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have to be fancy, okay, just so we have something to work with. Like I, I have Melissa's bio in front of me, okay, so I would need your bio in front of me um, if, if I'm running the show that night. 
you want to be on Friday nights, be on my show, um, I'd be delighted to have you, okay, too. And um, so, but get yourself together, and you can give uh, Bill a call, you know, and speak to him, he, or you can call me. And we're right on that contact list, the, you know, the NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A dot org, NASCA dot org. You type that into your browser, and it should come up. And um, oh, numbers, and I would limit it to, like I said, there's many different avenues that I could, mm-hmm. um, you know, speak on. The one mm-hmm. thing uh, is, and stemming from NASCA as a child, through a child's eyes, you know how right. it did, you know how it did affect me just being the sole survivor, so to speak. That's you know, right. nobody to compare notes with not having a brother or sister or brothers and sisters or somebody to go, what's up, what's going on, and have somebody hug me or me hug them if I were the older sibling. And it was, you know, I I always called myself a walking question mark because I had no clue. Well, you you need it would be great if you came on, you know, and let me tell you something. The more you come on, you listen to stories, like uh, Melissa had said also, and, and other people have said, um, when you get out, get, now I've got a 90-second cue, but when you get out there and tell your story, it makes you stronger, you tell your story, and you're helping people, and that's helping you. So just remember my words, and if you need to talk, Go to the night owl, okay, under the contact list, and we'll discuss, you know, you're coming on the show, okay? Yeah, I very much uh, appreciate that because I'm sure it will benefit somebody somewhere along the line. You never know. If you just Absolutely. touch one, Absolutely. it makes a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I have to, yeah. Um, yeah, I've got this thing going on in my ears. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm I have to close the show up. Well, I'm, I'm very glad happy. You, you, I'm, I'm happy I'm you called in tonight, too, honey. I I'm am. Not I'm happy. happy. We're all happy. I'm okay. Happy. I'm going to be um, a part of the, the Ariel Castro with the, the three girls that uh, were rescued 10 years mm-hmm. ago. I'm going to be... Um, helping out at the 10-year anniversary of uh, Amanda Berry, Michelle Knight, and Gina DeJesus uh, next Sunday. Oh, that's Sunday. wonderful. That's and wonderful. I'm to be invited. I'm happy to be there and be of support. And I mm-hmm. hope people will try to find it on their local TV channel or the news or whatever because that's so special to me. And I relate so much to Michelle Knight. Okay, listen to me. We're no longer on air anymore. <laughs> I just shut off. So give me a call, and we'll talk about this. And when you tell your story, you can mention this also. So, Melissa, I want to thank you so much for coming on. And I, I have a good weekend, everybody. And we'll see you again on Monday night. Good night now. Okay, good night. Thank you. Good night, honey. Thank you.
Blog Talk Radio. Okay, good enough. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 